Thanks for tuning in to Men for the Win, a podcast hosted by David Kufis and Dan Thompson, two avid fans who appreciate well-played baseball, especially when it's done by the Twins. Men for the Win is sponsored by The Grand Group with Edina Realty. Are you looking to purchase a new home in the Twin Cities area? Or perhaps you're trying to sell your current home. Whether you're upsizing or downsizing, The Grand Group with Edina Realty will meet all of your housing needs. Contact The Grand Group by emailing thegrandgroup at edinarealty.com or call them by phone at 612-817-8751. The Grand Group with Edina Realty, three-time Minneapolis St. Paul Magazine Super Agent Award winners. On this episode, Dan and I discuss the Twins' opening 2020 season against the Chicago White Sox. Thanks for listening. Enjoy. Thanks for tuning in to Men for the Win. I am David Kufis, and with me as always is Dan Thompson. The Twins have officially started playing baseball. They started off the season with a bang, going 2-1 and one against the Chicago White Sox. Dan, it seems like we started off on a good foot. Your thoughts? That's a lot of runs in those games. I, you know, I remember I was talking about how the pitchers might be having a better season start, but that is clearly not going to be the case when the Twins and the White Sox play baseball. It's amazing. They always talk about how the hitters have to catch up to the pitchers, but my goodness, with a couple of exceptions, overall, man, it seems like the hitters are ready to smack the crap out of the ball. And obviously with Kepler hitting home runs in his first two at-bats, which maybe we shouldn't think anything different out of Max Kepler, but that was an impressive start to the season. No, uh, no rust there at least for the hitters obviously Barrios had his troubles but um but yeah a, a good start overall I'd say for the twins yeah it was wonderful to see that right out of the gate they're scoring runs and I, I wasn't expecting it you know I thought they'd score a few runs and maybe hit a homer or two but my goodness the offensive onslaught that took place in these first three games it it, it borderline was shocking to me and I think one thing that we saw with the twins last season and, and we're seeing it already in these three games is that they feast on bad pitching you know we looked at today Sunday's game where obviously they're started just he didn't seem to be feeling his best but clearly when you give up that many runs early uh, it also didn't help and I realize it didn't matter for a run but Tim Anderson's error at shortstop that it could have been worse I guess you know Donaldson should have probably run that out so yeah Lopez sorry not even making it out of the first inning and then Gio Gonzalez having a terrible you know it's just it seems like to beat these twins we can pretty much rely on the other team needing to have a good pitcher playing well not not just a mediocre pitcher even a poor pitcher because the, the poor pitchers get beat really hard by these teams yeah I I guess I was a little bit sad just that like last season, it kind of felt where you weren't sure what you were going to get out of your starters, but you can assume that if they can keep it under five runs, the twins have a good shot to win the game. And so to see Barrio struggle like that after getting the run support he received, I was a little disappointed in, in his performance. I agree. I agree. But you know, you picked Barrios to be a great pitcher this year and I was not so sure. Uh, so I think I'm going to chalk that up a victory for me uh, so far. Every time Brielle struggles, you know, it makes me look a little bit smarter. Absolutely. Uh, or something like that. And that's really what we want, right? So Anything um, to make Dan Thompson look smarter. Exactly. No, but I, I do, I, I agree. But at the same time, you know, you can give up five runs and still, still get a win with these twins bats behind you. Yeah, actually, Barrios did not get the win, though. It's important to note that May actually came away with the win in game one. You're right, because you do have to pitch five innings to get a win as a starter. That The way the first game wrapped up, though, I was really, really impressed with the bullpen. Obviously, they, they shut it down, basically, right? I mean, no earned runs between May, Clipper, Duffy, Stashak. Stashak pitching two full innings, not a bad outing for him. No, and then it turns around and the next day, you got Tell and Smeltzer giving up all kinds of runs. So it's, it is weird. It's one of those things where you almost wish Dobnak would have gotten 
to pitch just one more inning, but they're trying to see what they got. I understand that. But if you're Smeltzer, you, you can't afford another one like that, another stinker like that. Really, can you? Well, no. And the thing that was, I, I guess, the second game of the series, I don't take as hard as I probably would have if Odorizzi made the start or if Hill, who was potentially going to make the start, had been on the mound. Because I know that everybody likes to write these articles about how Dobnik's an easygoing Uber driver who is just ready to do what it takes to help the team. But truly, can you really be ready to hit the mound and like come into a situation where you're the third guy in line? I just think that it, it's setting him up to have a, a pretty pressure-filled start. And while he did it well, I just think that either of the other starters probably goes deeper into that game and doesn't have to give in to the long relievers who are less of a steady hand. That's a good point. Um, but even Mato only went to five today. And then, the, I mean, obviously the lead was big at that point. And then you got good innings out of out of Lewis Thorpe, who we've talked about last week. I, I think you're right. I, I do hope that they have a couple depth starters that they can count on Barrios and Odorizzi to go six or seven innings for the reasons you, you stated. I, I agree. Yeah, I, I was happy overall with the pitching in game one, especially from the from the bullpen perspective. Again, we talked about Barrios and how it would have been nice to see him have a little bit more successful outing. But obviously the offensive production was there. There weren't any huge miscues. Uh, went four for nine with runners in scoring position, only left six on base. That's not terrible. Um, I mean, I would take that, especially if they're going to score 10 runs in every game where they do that. Yeah, I mean, considering some game, I don't know, I feel like it's easy for us to remember the games that they do, that teams don't hit well with runners in scoring position, but it was, you know, those games, the first game, four for nine, second one, one for four, but then today, six for 11. You know, I think in those blowouts, you know, those numbers get really inflated. I think that's the key to a blowout, right, is you can knock guys in, um, you know, when they're on base, and obviously a grand slam doesn't hurt. <laughs> to start off, Jake Cave, my goodness. So we'll, we'll we'll talk about game three here. Let's pretty much touch on game one. Not too much uh, really that stands out outside of Kepler with those homers. Really fun to see. Donaldson didn't look super comfortable at the plate. I was a little surprised about that. Well, he got his walks. It didn't seem like any of the pitches that he was swinging on. He just seemed like he wasn't tracking the ball real well. And could that just be a fact of, of not really knowing Giolito? I guess I don't know if he's seen Lucas Giolito before. But, but at the same time, you know, there's always going to be off nights for guys where they're just not seeing a specific pitch as well or maybe Giolito had a good plan to get him out early um, it's hard to tell you know and that's what's hard about these these games and it's also going to be so important in a shorter season is it's hard to get a read on a guy after one game but as opposed to a series and Donaldson played a little bit better the rest of the series did finally get a hit in game two well yeah okay um, real quick just to, to touch on that hit how sad that's is that true. that's well, the first hit that he gets that is a win. good point and I was disappointed with you know at least I was listening to the radio today it didn't run out as hard that the second at bat when he was an error with with Tim Anderson. I'm not explaining this well, but I, you know, you wouldn't hope for a little bit more effort out of him there, but he did get on base. And that's one of the things that they wanted him to do. He got on base with a couple walks today. He had a couple walks, like you said, on uh, on Friday. So at least he's getting on and that's really what they need him to do in front of the three, four five hitters. Yes, I, I 100% agree here. I just hope that we actually see some of that rain that he's supposedly bringing. Well, we'll see. It was very hot in Chicago. It would have rained the night before. See, last <laughs> night. See, that was the problem. <laughs> that was that was the issue here. That's what prevented Donaldson from the rain had already been brought from joining See. the home run parade here so um right. game two let's let's talk about this a little bit i want to break down just the way that the the pitchers handled it because dobnik really again it wasn't terrible four innings pitched three hits one earned run two walks with three strikeouts i mean for a guy who wasn't expected to to make that start even at, though it was only four innings it's a quality four innings that he gave agreed and that's hopefully what they're going to get out of him and maybe he will be the guy i mean we'll have to see another pass through you got to think he gets another start at some point here he looked the best this weekend of the guys who would be perhaps fighting for that spot. So I, I think 
he's put a good foot forward. He's he's given every reason for Rocco Baldelli to give him another chance when they need one. Yeah, it was a little frustrating to see Littell struggle. That was kind of out of the ordinary, it seemed like. And then on top of that, Smeltzer, you get an opportunity to come in. You can potentially close out the game. And obviously, it's out of hand at that point. So, like, all you have to do is really put a Band-Aid on a game that you're going to probably lose anyway. And my goodness, he gets lit up uh, for six hits, five runs, five, and all five of them earned. Ugh, not, not, not a great showing for Smeltzer, especially on a team where you, you're probably going to be fighting for playing time. That isn't, uh, but we also have to remember, like, this is a, a good White Sox team, and I know that we talk, I mean, I know that you're not necessarily sold. Are you sold on them now? Because it seems like their lineup can hit the ball pretty well. No, because I'm pretty convinced that if Odorizzi or Hill makes that start, this is a sweep. Maybe, maybe. I would grant you that there, um, but they do have some bats that can hit pretty dang well. And it wasn't it wasn't Dobnak there. Are you saying that basically Odorizzi would have started and maybe Dobnak comes in and, and finishes out, or just that it's a different game entirely if Odorizzi comes in and, and shuts him down? I think it's completely different because I think Odorizzi goes at least five. Sure. Well, when you anytime you win two of three in, in a road series, I think a team walks away happy. So yeah, you got to I mean, think yeah, they're I'm happy not, there with this. I'm not, I'm not upset that they only won two of three, but I'm just saying that the sweep certainly seemed within the grasp of the team, especially considering how we lost that second game. It wasn't necessarily due to everything being perfect and we just didn't execute. I mean, granted there were some, there, we were only one for four with runners in scoring position and we left five on base, but there's no way the White Sox score 10 runs if we have our ideal pitchers where they're, where they're supposed to be pitching in the lineup. That's true. And, and that was one of the things that we hoped this team had solidified was that starting pitching and so it is hard to see one of your top two guys not make that start and then you have to dip into the sixth guy I, so I, I guess I'm curious to see the St. Louis Cardinals series because now we're going to see what do those twins really we call them I guess the third and the fourth starters look like but the, the next few guys can they shut down a team like the Cardinals who can hit the ball pretty well too absolutely so moving forward to to uh, today's game it was wonderful to see Mayer on the mound. He really looked comfortable, and I think it can be hard when you have those long innings, especially those first two innings where they just went on forever because the Twins kept getting hits. It's it's got to be difficult for a guy to be sitting in the dugout that long. And I do think that played into Barrios's struggles a little bit as well. Just that you have to sit for so long when you're when you're amped up to pitch, and all of a sudden you're sitting there for 40 minutes while you, while your team is knocking the other pitcher around. Yeah, I'm curious to see. Obviously, we don't we don't know Mayer personally at all but it seems to speak to his character that he was able to handle things in the way that he did in los angeles uh with the way his contract was structured and the way that they would move him to the bullpen towards the end of the season and into the playoffs just how well he was able to pitch there too it just seems like a guy it's a cliche but a team guy um who is ever going to do whatever is needed for the team but you're right he came out and he was great it was really fun to see him be so controlled 84 pitches 58 strikes and to really as you need to do in a game like that especially Especially after your team gave up 10 runs the night before, when your team is up 8 nothing and 9 nothing as it became, to just not give up three runs in the bottom of the second inning and give that, that team any hope, really, of coming back in that game. Yeah, I mean, to give up that one homer uh, to Robert, a guy who he, he's probably, well, certainly never seen before as he's a rookie, but it's just one of those things where, okay, two runs when you have a lead at that point that's basically insurmountable, no big deal. And I, I think that if he's going to be the steady hand on the mound, you hope that that he kind of emerges as a as a leader alongside Donaldson, but more on the pitching side of the ball. Yeah, and, and you also, he's a veteran, and I, I would suspect that he recognized, hey, you know, he didn't have to, to make tight pitches or he didn't have to paint the corners. 
you just had to throw the ball over the plate and get the game over with, you know, and if he needed to get out of trouble, he could, but, um, but he looked good. He looked sharp and he looked smart. And I think that that's above all what they need out of him is a smart veteran type pitcher who can give them the five innings that he did give them today so that the game doesn't get out of hand or not, not get out of hand, but it doesn't become a slugfest. It becomes a cakewalk to the end of the game. Yeah. I, I hope that continues today. I mean, it's hard. It's hard to talk about the series without spending a decent chunk of time on Nelson Cruz, who my goodness, I want to know what that guy eats. I want to know how he lives his life, but my goodness, 40 years old, Dan Thompson and absolutely raking. I couldn't help but think of, of, of Gundy, uh, the, the Oklahoma state coach who said, I'm a man, I'm 40. <laughs> uh, like he had arrived because it seems like uh, Nelson Cruz just did that with his bat today. I mean, what a game. Uh, yeah, four for five, seven RBI, just incredible. And and the way that he just, he stroked that that later home run over the over the over into the bullpen um, in left field was really fun to watch. Yeah, today, I mean, Cruz is just an absolute powerhouse, just smacking the ball around. I hope he can keep up this pace. And for him, it's one of those things that's a little bit disappointing that the season got shortened. I mean, it's disappointing for all players, but for those guys who are kind of chasing history-making numbers, Numbers who are raising raising through the ranks in certain statistical categories. For Cruz, it's home runs. And you're going to hit less home runs if there's less baseball to be played. That's a good point. And I wonder if it will allow him perhaps to play next year, or maybe it won't matter at all. It's, it's hard to tell how much wear and tear versus just age catches up with these guys. And again, how are people going to look at this? I, I couldn't help but think as I'm watching this, somebody's going to hit 400 this year. It just seems, it's, it just seems probable. Well, I don't want to say probable, but it seems certainly possible and what do we do with that what do we do with a guy who what if nelson cruz hits 25 home runs this season how do we look at those numbers it's it's nuts and like i think that the way that the batters were were smacking around pitchers this series that speaks to your point that like it's certainly starting to seem not only possible but almost likely that there's gonna be a batter or two who are flirting with that 400 mark you would think so right i mean it's just because of guys and we looked at this earlier great seasons it's been done right players have done it where through 60 games they've hit 400 so i would love to see it happen just because it what a great argument that would be um and nelson Cruz, by the way, is up to 57th all time now. Uh, he just broke away from Andres Galarraga and the LK line at 399. He's up to 402. Yeah, I mean, and if he continues on this pace, my goodness, who knows what the what in 60 games, the damage that that guy can do to to raise up that list. It, it could be incredible this season. Though Edwin Encarnacion, who always seems to be playing against the Twins. Why is he always playing on the other team? It he does was seem in the lineup way. for the White Sox. It's like, what are you doing, Edwin Encarnacion? You were just with the Yankees or you were just with the Mariner. And there, yeah, it felt like last year he got like 30 games against the Twins. After <laughs> Anyway, I'm just very annoyed with Edwin Encarnacion. And he always seems to hit a home run. I know that today he's he struck out three times, which was great. Speaking of uh, speaking of power and home run hitting, Byron who? Jake Cave for the win. My goodness. I know. And good for him, right? Because I wonder what it's like for him to be always playing with that like fill-in mentality. Like he's never really been the starter because everybody wanted him to be. He's always filled in. Um, and so that was great, especially because that game looks very different if he grounds out the third and, and rather than hitting a, a home run there. Even if he just gets a single, I mean, to get that four runs up there with two outs, really was a big boost today. Well, and I mean, your guy, Eddie Rosario, taking the walk to to load the bases, that was impressive. That was crucial. I yes. mean, it's not often that Eddie Rosario does that. Um, and he did come back later and get a hit. He scored a couple runs today. So I'm, I'm feeling pretty good about Eddie. 
Well, the, the hit that he got, though, it was interesting. So it was a double and it scored Cruz. And it was funny to see Cruz have to have to <laughs> make that make that run. And he actually had to run. It wasn't just his uh, patented Cruz jog. Now, I would be remiss if we didn't go back to Eddie, because I, I know that you wanted to talk about a, a another play that Eddie made that maybe wasn't his smartest play, missing yeah. a cutoff man, which I know he never does. He never misses the cutoff man, David. <laughs> no, he always I've, hits him right in the glove. Granted, hindsight, it doesn't matter, right? Like, the Twins lost the game 10-3, to but it was the first run that Dobnik gave up, and there was a chance that there could have been a play at the plate. I'm not saying it was a guaranteed out, but at least it would have been possible for an out to be recorded. And Eddie, I don't even know where he was throwing the ball, uh, but nowhere near the cutoff man, and it ended up uh, near near the pitching mound, and I was so disappointed and it's like what are you doing you know in a game that you have your a guy on the mound who wasn't really supposed to start the least you can do is hit a cutoff man especially on a play where it's clear that's where the ball needs to go eddie um man come on man work a little harder to win me over to your and dan's team but don't you remember first of all he's already on my team but second don't you remember the throw in boston last year where he gunned the guy at home i mean for every every bonehead play you know like he made missing the cutoff man there must be 15 times he throws a guy out of the plate, right? It must be the ratio. <laughs> yes, I'm sure. Am that, I inflating things? I'm sure that's the ratio. A 1 to 15. No, you. this is ridiculous. It's a silly conversation. He should have hit the cutoff, man. And it wasn't like an errant throw. Like, I don't think he was trying to throw it to the cutoff, man. And I think that's what bothers me most. Well, he was probably just trying to get the ball in as quickly as possible. Well, right? yeah, but right? it doesn't. But it's not as quickly as possible. That's the whole point. The whole <laughs> is that reason not there's the a role. No, the cutoff. The man? whole reason you have a cutoff man is because it's quicker than Eddie trying to loft it to the pitcher's mound. I. Ugh. My quick as possible. That's, reason, that's a goodness. reasonable Dear goodness, criticism. that's enough. We're done. We're done talking about Eddie Rosario. It's a happy well, note. Well, who else do you want to talk about? Because I could talk about Eddie all day. No, so I mean, I let's... think Stashak had a, had a big role, um, again, pitching those two innings in game one. Arise had a couple of uh, timely hits, especially with two outs, to score a couple of runs. I mean, we've really covered most of what I'd like to talk about. Um, Arise Mar- is so fun. Sorry, if I but Arise is so fun to watch hits. Because even with two strikes, one of his at-bats today, I think he was down 0-2, and he hit a ball, he hit a liner really hard on the next pitch. It was for an out, but man, he just knows how to hit. Yeah, he... uh, I know we talked about it before, but I love watching, to me, and this is the argument uh, one argument why Joe Maurer was such a good hitter is when you when you're down to two, when you're down two strikes, what do you do? You stay alive, and he often just gets hits in those situations too. It must be maddening to pitch against him. Yeah, I mean one one quick note about Arise, and I hope he stops doing this. But my goodness, every time he shakes his head when it's a ball, like okay, I'm 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 about over that. Like especially he's when he's just saying, "Oh darn it, I should have swung at that one." No, 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 no. He's shaking his head because it was a ball, and it was called the ball. Like he's not shaking his head because the ump called it a strike. Like it'll be, oh, I see. it'll be eight inches outside. The ump will call it a ball, and he'll shake his head no, as in no, I'm not swinging at that. Well, well okay. maybe he's just reminding himself. Don't you do that? Like no, don't turn right here. No, don't turn right here. Yes, I, turn right. Like when you're driving, you don't nod to yourself, and it's just self. I'm just saying the only time the batter should be shaking his head no is when the ump calls a ball a strike. That's what I'm saying, and I don't think you don't need to shake your head no when it's clearly a ball and the ump calls it a ball. I'm very happy he's on the team. I think he's performed very well. I will say that it was um, when Adrianza got the start. There was one play that Adrianza turned that I don't think Arise would have, simply because Adrianza is significantly quicker than Arise playing second base. 
he has Adrianz is on this team for a lot of reasons, but fielding is certainly one. He's he's just a solid infielder. Man, I, it's one of those things where it's sad that he's not going to get as much playing time as he should, and may, maybe he will depending how injuries shake out. But man, he is a guy who you just feel a little bit disappointed that he's not starting somewhere. Yeah, you do, and he, and but I think he's certainly happy to be the guy who's going to get some starts. Uh, he's going to get plenty. He's going to get spot starts here and there, and I think he's happy to be have a role on this team, I'm sure. Yeah, it was interesting, too, that Marwin got uh, two starts here for this series, one in right field and then one at first base, which I was surprised at the first base start. I had kind of thought that most of his starts would come in the outfield, but so far it's been one and one. Yeah, and we had bantered about this earlier in the week, and I think I think that is what they'll see. He, he'll spell Miguel Sano at first a lot more often, but I think it, it is good. Again, it shows his flexibility. He's such a value to this roster because he can do that. And I didn't you want him today so badly to get a hit on that full count when he came in and then he switched sides in the first inning? It was a little bit, yeah, when he had to, when it was like the mid at bat and he had the other the other pitcher came in. It's kind of a bummer. I mean, and I you could tell that he was frustrated and I mean I would be too if you're if you have a guy who's pitching to you who has been absolutely lit up by the lineup I mean you're sad for the guy because he leaves with injury but it's got to be frustrating to come in and, and have a have a happen already and you have a new pitcher coming in it's just a oh yeah it's a, it's a mind game that that's not not one that's gonna gonna lead to the hitter winning too often I would agree I would agree that's got there's so many adjustments you have to make there and you don't have any even warm-up swings against the guy like you would normally in the batter circle in the, in the waiting what is it the on deck circle <laughs> I want to say the waiting zone uh that's not the it's right batter's word. box and then and then on deck circle Dan you gotta get your Thank shapes you. right here yeah you've been spending too Shape. much time with now uh screwing <laughs> up your, your shapes there shapes Shapes are difficult. Shapes are difficult, right? It was nice to see him get that home run, though, um, kind of as a bounce back and just a little bit of a co- confidence booster to start the season to see him just jack that one to right. It was. And again, what a great showing today, you know, by this team. I mean, four home runs, Cave, Cruz, it's a couple, Marvin Gonzalez. I mean, that's what we came to expect last season. And it's so encouraging to see that even after this layoff, they're still hitting home runs against the White Sox. Yeah, the Bomba squad picked it up right where they left off here. So, real quick, Dan, let's give our series grade. I'm going to go ahead and give them a B plus, and I, you know, I probably probably would be a little bit higher. I think it would, obviously, again, I, I still contend that they would have swept the series had they had the planned starter or even the second in-line starter for Game 2. I would say... Gosh, I, I don't want to steal your grade, but I think that's about right. Simply to win two out of three on the road against the White Sox, to not give them the confidence, the White Sox the confidence, necessarily that they would, they would play with this team. I mean, they gave up 27 runs to the Twins this weekend. It's got to be hard for them to think, you know, how are they going to catch a team? You, They're not going to be able to beat the Twins when when you give up 27 runs in three games. No, I mean, averaging nine runs a game is not a bad way to start the season. No, you'll win a lot of, we win a lot of baseball games that way, don't you think? Absolutely. I mean, how would you not? I mean, even with our pitchers, if the if the starters struggle, nine nine runs a game should win you nearly all, nearly all of the games this nearly season. Nearly all of them, yes. yes. Okay, so our series grades there, we're both going to give it a B plus. Beast versus bench, Dan, this is when you tell me who the beast of the series was and who belonged on the bench. Well, how do I not say Nelson Cruz? You he can't. walks away with a it's 538 not even, average. It's not OPS even close. It's of 196. It's not, it's not close. Yeah. Incredible. So Beast, uh, certainly there. You know, part of me, I, I want to say Sano. I think he just didn't look good. He was hitless. Um, and I was counting up the at-bats here. Um, you know, in eight at-bats, he didn't look great. 
Um, so I would think maybe he's just not totally back yet. He would be my bench guy. I think he should have sat two out of those three. Yeah, I don't think I don't think you're wrong on either account. I mean, I think you could make an argument for either Smelter or for Latell taking that bench spot. But as far as the bench is concerned, uh, especially from a batting perspective, Sano really really didn't have a handle on things, and he does look like he's not not quite ready uh, where the other players are who are who are just smacking the ball around. And again, it's the beginning of the season. How would it be any difference? This is always how I feel like we're having these conversations about snow. And I hope to be different, and maybe it will be here. Um, we don't know. You know, we don't know where his health is at. I, I don't mean to criticize the man in that way, but he just, he didn't look good. That's the fact of it. That's the truth. So Rocco's Rewind, this is when we'd, we'd revisit any managerial decisions. I mean, there really wasn't too much drama in the series. We were either way ahead or way behind. And so there weren't too many real important decisions that Rocco had to make. Do you have any thoughts on any moves Rocco made over the weekend? You know, you could you could argue, as I said earlier, that Dobnak could have kept pitching. Uh, he'd only thrown 73 pitches, and again, when you're when you're down at that point, I just think, why not let him throw another inning and just see what happens? Because uh, it didn't look good after that. Yeah, you know, I hadn't I hadn't given that, that much thought, but now that you say that, it does seem like Dobnik said, you know, I think I I think I'm done. One more inning, yeah. What's it going to hurt at that point in the game? And it's only one nothing the White Sox at that point. So you know, I I just think give him another inning and, and see what happens. Yeah, I mean, hindsight, obviously, it's a little bit easier to say give him another inning. But and since we don't know what's happening in the in the dugout um, and the conversations being hap- being taking place, I still think uh, I think you're right here, though. I do think that letting him go for another inning, assuming he was willing, uh, probably would have been the right call. So, Rocco, that's your first mistake on the season, according to the men for the win crew. And we know so much more than Rocco. So let's go with that. Fair enough. So looking forward here, the uh, Twins will play the St. Louis Cards at home, followed by the Cleveland Indians. Looks like Bailey is going to get the home opener. Uh, and then Buxton, uh, Rocco said that Buxton does appear that he will be ready and will be in the lineup on Tuesday, which will be very exciting. And then uh, Asadio, the turtle, has returned to team activities in St. Paul. Not sure when we'll see him, but good that he's finally clear of the COVID protocol. Agreed. It looks like they're finally getting up to full strength. Absolutely. So a a wonderful way to start the uh, 2020 abbreviated season. Two wins, one loss. Twins are are feeling good. It's good to see Kansas City steal a game from Cleveland as well. And it was good to to silence some of those White Sox people who were just so convinced, so convinced that the White Sox are going to win the division. Not yet. They're not there yet. Not yet. Wonderful. Well, we will be back next Sunday. Uh, we'll we'll wrap up the uh, St. Louis card series and the Cleveland series. We'll talk over the trends. We'll do our grades, Beast Bench, and Rocco's Rewind. Thanks so much for listening, and we'll talk to you next week. Go Twins. That'll wrap up another episode of Men for the Win, a podcast hosted by David Kufis and Dan Thompson, two avid fans who appreciate well-played baseball especially when it's done by the Twins. Thanks so much for listening, and as always, Go Twins!